we sang these words of Psalm 69, these are the words of David. The Lord Jesus also quotes from this particular psalm, speaking about the suffering that he had to go through. And that suffering was reflected here in the life of his great forefather, David. As David speaks about the enemies who had made his life very difficult and hard and and they've opposed him, not because David was worthy or deserving of that, but they opposed him because of his honoring of the Lord God himself. And so, for example, verse 4, where he talks about his enemies taunt me, taunt, taunts are meant for you, have now descended on me. So the taunts that were intended for the Lord have now come upon David, who has been faithful to his God. And that's really reflected also in the life of the Lord Jesus, as we'll hear that this morning. As we turn to our text in, in John chapter uh, 15. John chapter 15, begin at verse 18 through to the end of the chapter, verse 27. Let's read those words uh, together. For Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says to them, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin but now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened, that the, world might be, that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Those are the words quoted from David, Psalm 69. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, as I mentioned, chapter 15 is, you can say, is part of Jesus' farewell address to his disciples. So Lord Jesus soon is going to be arrested. He will be crucified on the cross. He will die. He will be buried. But of course, we also know that's not the end. He will rise up as he conquers death. And after that, he will ascend into heaven where he will receive authority from his Father to rule over all things in the universe. But before these events happen, and before the Lord Jesus is going to be taken away from his disciples, he wants to also warn them about what is going to, to happen. But not only does he want to warn them, but he also wants to encourage them. And so in the first part of this chapter, uh, he then also tells his disciples, when I leave, 
you need to continue to remain. You have to continue to abide in me. Because apart from me, you will not be able to do anything. And the, the Lord Jesus then uses the example of the vine. Jesus says uh, that he is a vine. They are uh, the branches. And therefore, as branches cannot bear fruit apart from the vine, so Jesus says, you, my disciples, you cannot bear any fruit apart from me. So even though Lord Jesus will depart from them, uh, yet Jesus says, you need to remain in me. You need to abide in me. And of course, that is only through faith and putting their faith and their trust in him. Well, the Lord Jesus also goes on and, and he tells them in, in, in this chapter, in verse 16, uh, he says, I've chosen you. And so I've also appointed you to be my disciples, that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so the Lord Jesus says to them, he says, I have chosen you out of the whole world that you might go and that you might proclaim the gospel to all of mankind. And if you are faithful in your calling, Jesus says, then I will guarantee that you will will indeed bear fruit, fruit that will last. Well, that is extremely encouraging as the Lord Jesus is going to send his disciples into the mission field. But he also wants his disciples to understand that it will not be easy, that their calling is going to be a difficult calling that will also involve many sacrifices on their part. Because they will go and they will tell the people about the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ. They will proclaim the love of God in Christ Jesus. And yet Jesus says to them, he says, but you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared to understand that the world is going to hate you as you bring to them that gospel of hope. And so they're called then to go and to bring this glorious message from heaven because that's where it comes from. It comes from the Father in heaven who sent the Lord Jesus to this world. But Jesus says, you understand well that the gospel you bring will face great opposition. You will face hatred and anger and you will be persecuted for my name's sake. And so the disciples then are are warned by the Lord they're going to face great difficulties. And not only is this a message for the disciples themselves, we beloved, it's also a message for, for all those who are going to follow the Lord Jesus. That means that also today as believers, we shouldn't be surprised when our society opposes us as we then also bring that gospel of hope. Don't think it's so strange when people become angry with you, when you proclaim to them the grace and the mercy of God. Or when people around you don't want to hear about that message that comes from the heavenly realm. Why? Because they don't want the heavenly realm to come and to invade this earthly realm in which they are living. People will express it often this way. They say, religion, and so also your religion, should simply be a private thing, something that you keep hidden in your own life or in your own home, It should not, your religion may not intrude upon the realm of this society. Well, what they're really saying is that heaven must be kept out of the earthly realm. 
For the question is, what does the world have to do with heaven? See, for so much of humanity, the earthly realm is the only thing that really matters. The earthly realm, in their view, is the, alone has the truth and is the truth. And that's why if, if the earthly realm is the truth and has the truth, then you don't need heaven. It means you don't need God. Well, the Lord Jesus came. Why did he come? Well, because he was sent by the Father in heaven that he might bring God's word, God's message to the people of this world. And so the Lord, and so the Father in heaven sent his Son to declare to the world God's grace, God's love, and to call all mankind to look for their salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what does the world do? The world rejects the Savior who has been sent by God in heaven, and they have crucified him on the cross. Because they don't want God to intrude on their earthly realm. And so Jesus warns his disciples. And warning his disciples, beloved, he also warns us today that as the world has hated me, so it will also hate you. But if you remain and if you remind, if you abide in me, Christ says, then I will assure you that I will give you life and that you will bear much fruit for the Father in heaven. And so this morning I may proclaim to you God's word and under this theme, our theme then is two worlds, two worlds being heaven and earth collide. So our theme, two worlds collide, which is heaven and earth. And we look at three things. In the first place, we see that heaven is rejected by the world. Secondly, we'll see that the world has no excuse for rejecting heaven. And thirdly, we'll see that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, of, which is the spirit of truth that Jesus describes him, bridges that divide between heaven and earth. <clears throat> the Lord Jesus uh, warns his disciples, reading this t- our text, that there is this great big divide between uh, heaven uh, and earth. Which means that when there's a divide, he's talking about the fact that there is this great hostility between heaven and earth. So Jesus says, you need to understand, my disciples, that the world will hate you. Why? Because I've chosen you. Where I've chosen you out of the world. Well, when Jesus speaks about the world, he's not thinking here in the first place only about the physical earth. But he's thinking here about the people of this earth. He's thinking about those people who oppose God, those who refuse to serve God with their life. And so Jesus is making a distinction here between worldly people who reject God and godly people who don't belong to the world who acknowledge God to be the God of heaven and earth. And the Lord Jesus makes, clearly makes that distinction in verse 19 of our text. You notice there he says in verse 19 to his disciples, if you belong to the world, if you belong to the world, the implication is they don't belong to the world. And he goes on, he says, and if you love, and he says, it, that is the world, would love you as its own. As it is. You do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That, Jesus says, that is why the world hates you. So you see, the Lord Jesus makes clear that he doesn't belong to this world. For he says in verse 21, about the one who sent me, 
For he speaks in verse 21 about the one who has sent me. And he's referring as that one is the Father who sent him from heaven. And so the Lord Jesus already made clear. He says, I have come not from the earth. I have not come from the world. I've come from heaven. Why? Because it's the Father in heaven is the, is the one who has sent me to this earth. And so I don't belong to this world. I came to this world with a message from heaven, from the Father. And Jesus says, and because I do not belong to this world, they have hated me and they have rejected me and they refuse to listen to the message that I have come to bring from my Father in heaven. I remember we read together the parable of those wicked tenants in Matthew chapter 21, verse 33. And really that, that parable describes what the Lord Jesus is, is trying to say here in our text. Remember in that parable in Matthew 21, uh, there he speaks about the vine dresser or the landowner who planted a vineyard. And after planting the vineyard, he rented it out to some farmers because he was going away on a long journey. But when the harvest time came, he sent his servants to collect um, his fruit. Uh, that was part of the, the rent agreement. But when the servants came, <clears throat> Jesus says, oh, they, they killed one, or they beat one, they killed another, and they stoned a third. And then at last, the, the owner sent his own son. Because he thought, you know, well, surely if I send the son, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son coming, what did they do? They said, no, here's the heir. And if we kill the son, uh, then the inheritance will be ours. And so we will be able to steal the vineyard. Well, the point that the Lord Jesus is making is this. The world belongs to the Father in heaven. And God the Father, Jesus says, has sent many of his servants, the prophets, to his people uh, throughout the history of this world. And so the Old Testament is full of those events that, that relate to us and that tell us about the prophets who come and who call the people of God and who call also even the nations of the world uh, to, to faith and to repentance. But what happens so often is when the prophets came, the world refused to listen to them. They refused to acknowledge that they were sent by God and to, re and to acknowledge his message. Finally, Jesus says, finally the Father sent his very own Son, me, Jesus Christ, to the world. And surely the Father in heaven thought, they will respect my Son and they will obey him. But when the Lord Jesus came to the world, the reality was uh, that the world rejected the one who was sent from heaven. Why? Because they didn't want to hear that message from heaven, from the Father. In fact, they hated the Son. Matthew says at the end of that parable uh, that the chief priests and, and the Pharisees, the spiritual leaders of Israel, who should have known better, well, what did they do? Well, they looked for a way in which they might be able to arrest him. Why? Because they were afraid. But they didn't arrest him because they were afraid that the people thought that he was a prophet or from God. It's rather ironic that they hate him, that they want to get rid of him, but they're afraid because the people think that he is indeed a prophet from God. But they want nothing to do with this prophet. Why? Because they hate the Son of God who was sent from heaven. Because they don't want to hear that message that the Father is giving to them. And so when we turn to John chapter 15 again, the Lord Jesus then makes the point uh, that the world hates me. He says, why? Because they do not know the one referring to the Father who sent me. 
Jesus says, he says, if they knew the heavenly father and knowing him is not just you no know, reading something about him, but knowing him in the sense of that they believed him and, they, and with their whole heart they wanted to serve him, then they would have accepted me as their, as their Lord and they would have treated me with great respect as a son who has come from the father. You know, in John chapter 8, you have this dialogue, this verbal interaction between the Lord Jesus and the leaders of Israel. And the leaders of Israel are angry with the Lord Jesus because he says, you know, before Abram was, I am. In other words, he's saying he's older than Abraham and that infuriated them. And Jesus says to them, he says this in John 8 verse 42, he says, if God were your father, Notice this, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and now am here. And then he says to them, notice this, he says to them, the reason that you are unable to hear what I say is not because my language is unclear. Not because you can't understand what I'm saying. It is because you belong to your father, the devil. The devil is your father. You say, ouch. That's a real, real stinger. It hit the nail right on the head for the people of Israel. For their heart lay with the world, the world who were under the power of the devil. And therefore, when the Lord Jesus then speaks to them, they cannot hear what he has to say because they do not follow their father in heaven, but they follow the father who is the devil. In fact, the message that he brings from the father is a message they refuse to hear. And because they refuse to hear it, they hate the Lord Jesus with a passion. They hate him with their whole heart. And here, beloved, here you see that clash between heaven, between heaven and earth. God comes from heaven. He reveals himself through his son, but the world just doesn't want to listen. And so heaven and earth collide. They're in a collision course. And therefore Jesus says to his disciples, he says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. And the reason that the world will hate you is that I have chosen you I've chosen you, my disciples, out of the world so that you no longer belong to this earthly realm, but you now belong to the heavenly realm. In other words, you can say that he's saying to his disciples, you are no longer citizens here of this world, but now I have made you citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And so when the disciples now go and proclaim the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ to the people of the world, then the disciples need to keep in mind that they are entering into enemy territory. They need to keep in mind that the world is hostile to God. And therefore, the, the world will also reject that message that comes from God. And they will say, what does heaven, what does heaven have to do with earth? Why should heaven, why should God tell us what we should do or how we should live? What right does God, even though he is the creator, that they will, of course, not acknowledge that, what, does, what right does God have to interfere in our lives 
For we have the right to determine our own life. In other words, we are gods here in our own realm. So leave us alone so that we may then also act as our own, as such gods. And so you see, mankind really does believe that the world is their world. That they have authority and every right over this world and that God should not intervene at all in their life. Now you may say, well, why does the Lord Jesus then tell the disciples these things at this time? Doesn't he discourage his disciples in the calling that they're going to have? Well, beloved, the Lord tells them this because he also wants them to to be prepared when they do go and they preach the gospel that they're not going to become disillusioned by what happens. He wants them to be prepared so that they don't expect they're going to have an easy time. For Jesus says, no servant is greater than his master. He says, if they have persecuted me, uh, then you can be sure they'll also persecute you, my servants. And so what is true, beloved, also of the disciples of our Lord Jesus is true for the whole church. It's true for every believer. It's true for each one of us. That means that today we should not expect that the people around us in this world will receive the gospel simply with open arms. The reality also today is that when you bring the gospel message to the people and you call them to repent from their sins and that they should seek their salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior who is sent from heaven, it's a message that you can be sure that people will reject. And as our society in, in recent years begins to, to throw out the moral biblical principles on, on which so, much, so many of the laws of this land have for, for already for many years have been built, but when they begin to throw out those moral biblical principles dealing with sexuality and with the understanding of, about life, think of issues such as abortion and euthanasia, then you also begin to see the anger and you begin to see the hatred against Christians who speak up for the Lord God and for His right. We find that Christians more and more are denied a legitimate place in our society. Why? Because the world believes that heaven may not and must not interfere with what happens here on this earth. Heaven is God's realm, so let God stay in heaven. Earth is man's realm, let man then take care of his own realm. And so the world today continues to reject that message that is sent by the Heavenly Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, although the world rejects Him, yet the Lord Jesus also wants to make very clear, He says, the world doesn't have any excuse for what they are doing. Notice what He says in verse 22. He says, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. So basically, the argument the Lord Jesus gives is this. He says, if heaven kept its distance from the earth, that is, if God had never revealed himself at all to mankind, then then who could blame the earth for not knowing the Father in heaven and for not listening and accepting his message? After all, we know that heaven is indeed separate from the earth. For heaven is where the Lord God dwells, and the earth is where mankind lives. You know, it's impossible. Impossible for mankind to be able to go into heaven and to find God, even should man try to do so. 
Remember the people tried to do that back in Genesis chapter 11 when they, they built a great tower of Babel as a great staircase into heaven. But they failed miserably. And today, people thought, you know, we could send people into space. Then perhaps somewhere in space we'd be able to find heaven if there is a heaven. Well, beloved, there is no way for mankind to be able to bridge the divide between heaven, between heaven and earth. That divide is too great for us to be able to overcome. But we have the power for that. And therefore, Jesus says, if the Lord God, or if God did not come and bridge that divide... If God did not send His own Son into the world to reveal His Father uh, to the peoples of the earth, and He says, indeed, then the world would be guilty, then the world would not be guilty of sin. But that's not the reality. Jesus says the reality is that uh, God sent me His only Son, and that I have come and I have spoken to the people about the message I heard from my Father in heaven. I have come that I might reveal the mercy and the grace and the love of my Father. I came from heaven with a message of hope for mankind who had no hope. I have come as the one that the Father has sent as the Savior of the world so that whoever believes in me will not perish, but will have eternal life. And therefore, Jesus says, he says, if the world then rejects me, they are without any excuse. In verse 24, he presses that point a little further when he says, if I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now, but now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. So you notice Jesus says, I didn't only come and speak to them uh, the message that came from heaven. But I also came and I performed miracles, miracles that no one else has done. You know, it's one thing uh, for the Lord Jesus to say to the paralytic man who was brought to him, the man who was paralyzed. His friends brought him to the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, verse 1 and following. And, and what does Jesus do when, when they lay the man in front of him? Jesus saw their faith. And Jesus says this to them. He says, take heart, son. Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. Surprising words. Not the kind of words that this man was expecting, I think, from the Lord Jesus. Not words that the people were expecting. Not words that we might even have expected the Lord Jesus to say in that situation. But there were teachers of the law, spiritual leaders in Israel who became upset and they accused the Lord Jesus of blasphemy against God because who alone can forgive sins? Only God can. And then Jesus asked them this question. He says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? And then he says this. He says, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins I command this man to get up and to walk. And Matthew says, and the man did so. You see, with this miracle, the Lord wants to make clear that he has received authority and power from the Father in heaven, not only to do great, to do great miracles, but also to bring that message from the Father. And so Jesus makes this point. He says that since they have seen these miracles and since they have rejected uh, him, we, even though they have seen what he has done, he says, therefore, you are guilty of hating both me and my Father who has sent me. 
And so the Lord Jesus constantly made very clear throughout his ministry that he came not to glorify himself, but he says, I have come that I may glorify my Father in heaven. And therefore, when they reject the Lord Jesus and the work that he does and the words that he proclaims, they're not just rejecting him. But Jesus says, then you also reject the Father in heaven. In John 10, verse 25, the Lord Jesus speaks about how the people uh, do not believe him and says this, he says, the miracles I do, the miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe. And then a little bit further in in John chapter 14, verse 11, he says to the disciples, Chapter 14, verse 11, he says, Believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least, what he's trying to help them with their faith. He says, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. You see, the Lord Jesus says this. He says, I have done miracles that no one else has been able to do. And Jesus did those miracles not just because he could do them. Not just because he was so powerful that he could do whatever he wanted. But no, he performed these miracles, he says, as the evidence uh, that he is one, that I am one with God the Father in heaven. My miracles, he says, are the evidence by which you, my people, and by which you also the people of the world can know that I, Jesus, really came from heaven, and therefore every word that I speak also comes from my Father in heaven. And that's why the Lord also insists that all those who hate me also then hate my Father, for you then have also rejected the one who has sent me from heaven. And so he concludes in verse 25 that what was written in their law, he says about their law, he's referring then to the Old Testament scriptures that God gave to the people of Israel. And he's not saying that wasn't God's word. When he says their law, he wants to make it very clear that his enemies say this is our law. This is the law by which we live. And so by the testimony of the law that they themselves, the leaders of Israel, attest to be God's word, that law is now fulfilled they hated me without reason. So the Lord Jesus uses the very, the very words, the very law that they, that they look at and that they accept and to show to them that you have rejected me and you have hated me without any reason. The expression is found in two places, the Psalms, both of them for David, Psalm 35 and Psalm 69, which we sang together. Psalm 35 uh, David is dealing with those who were his friends. He says, uh, he talks about those to whom he has shown kindness and, and to whom he has shown friendship. What have they done? David says, they betrayed me. And so David cries out in anguish uh, to the Lord God and he says, they hate me without any reason for I've been kind and I've been friendly with them. Or in Psalm 69, uh, there David's enemies have turned against the King David David says, even though I have faithfully served you, Lord God, uh, they have betrayed me and they have turned uh, their anger against me. And why, why do the people then turn against David, David says, when, when I have been good and I've been kind towards them and when I have been faithfully also serving you, Lord God, as a king over Israel? 
They have no good reason for doing this and for rejecting me. And therefore, Lord, David says, Lord, then also bring your judgment upon my and your enemies. And so the Lord Jesus now quotes David to say, the world has no reason. They have no excuse to hate me. For I have come and I have revealed my Father in heaven. I've revealed His mercy and His love and His grace. I've spoken to them about the Father's tender love and mercy and His grace and His kindness. And yet, what did they do? They, they hate me and they have hated them for also my Father who sent me. And so the point the Lord Jesus makes is that when the, when the world hates Him, then they also hate the very Gospel. And they then also hate the very Lord God who has come to them from heaven with words of grace and love. And therefore, he says, they are without excuse. They've heard the word. They've heard the gospel. They've heard that call to repent. They've heard the call to look for their life in Jesus Christ and to find their hope in Him. And instead, they've rejected the gospel. They've rejected the Lord Jesus as the Savior. And they take this hard stand against heaven and say, heaven, what are you and who are you to interfere in our lives? And so you see, beloved, the people of the world will not allow heaven to enter into their territory. The world puts up this great big defensive wall against any invasion that might come from the realm of heaven. But the Lord Jesus then also makes clear that heaven is more powerful than the world. Why? Because he will send the Spirit of truth to bridge that great divide between heaven and earth. See, the world has put up this great big wall against the kingdom of God in order to, to guard against an invasion from the kingdom of heaven. That also explains why as Christians why we face so much opposition in the world in which we live. Because the world rightly, they rightly, they understand that we don't belong to them that we are different and that we are from a different realm because we come from the realm of heaven. But the Lord Jesus makes it very clear. He says that he will not allow the status quo uh, to continue, which the world has the upper hand. No, he will bridge that divide whether the people of the world like it or not. No matter how big a wall they may put up, that he will still bridge that divide. And how is he going to do that? Well, Jesus says he will do two things. In the first place, he says, I will send you, my disciples, the counselor, the helper uh, from the Father, who is the Spirit of truth. And he will testify about me, Jesus says. And then Jesus also says to his disciples, he says, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. You see, the Lord Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, you find that in, in all the Gospels, right near the beginning of the Gospels, you read about how the Lord Jesus went and, and he called his disciples to come and to follow him. And he says, I will make you fishers of men. And so for three years, they have followed the Lord Jesus. They have heard the message that he has proclaimed throughout the land. And they know this is a message that comes from the Father in heaven. They've seen His great works. They've seen the miracles that He has done. They can testify that He's indeed someone who is not of this earth, but one who has come from heaven. And therefore the Lord Jesus says, He says, I have chosen you, who have been with me from the beginning, who can testify to my words and to my works and my miracles. 
I have sent you to go and to invade the world with the gospel message. And so they are to, to speak to the people of the world about the Lord Jesus Christ. And they are to tell the world that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And therefore you need to repent from your sin, repent from your rebellion against God, and seek your forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. That's the message. But the Lord also says, but you understand full well that that gospel message is not going to resonate with the people of this world. Because when they hear it, they will scoff at you, and they will laugh at you, and they will, and they will ridicule you, because it seems like the, the message of the, of the cross is folly and foolishness. And they will even become angry with you when they begin to see how that message begins to have an impact on the world. And when they see how your message impacts the, the people in the world, they will begin to oppose you, and they will begin to persecute you. But how? How can the preaching of the disciples? And how can our witness today, beloved, how can that bridge the divide between heaven and earth if the world is so set against the gospel and so set against heaven? Well, it is because the gospel that you proclaim and that we may proclaim is, a powerful, is the powerful and the living word that is able to penetrate right to the very heart, to the very core of every human being. And that, beloved, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can penetrate the hearts of those who are hostile. He can break down that wall of resistance in those whose hearts are filled with hatred and anger against heaven. Remember how the Holy Spirit did that? Children, you may, you know that story, right, about the Saul who was on the way to Damascus and he was going to persecute the Christian church there in Damascus. He hated the church and he hated the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to put those Christians either in prison or he's going to kill them. That was what he was going to do. But you know what happened when he went to Damascus. There the Holy Spirit broke down that wall around his heart when the Lord Jesus appeared to him in that bright light. And when Paul began to understand that he was resisting the Son of God who had been sent from heaven, he fell down and he trembled before the Lord. The Spirit then used Paul so that Paul went out and he proclaimed the gospel and he spoke about Jesus Christ to the people in the world. And what happened? Very swiftly, heaven began to make a great impact on the world so that Christ's church was established everywhere. And beloved, this message that the Lord Jesus was given to his disciples is a message that is also intended to encourage us today. For you see, we have received the same gospel. We may proclaim the same words the apostles did. We may witness to the same Lord Jesus who is the Son of God who came as a Savior of the world. And therefore, when you proclaim this message that comes from heaven, you can expect, indeed, that the world will hate you. You can expect that there will be hostility. There will be rejection. But yet, beloved, you can also fulfill your calling with confidence. Confidence that the kingdom of heaven will, will prevail over the kingdom of this world. Why? Because we have a Savior and we have a ruler who now rules over all things 
there from heaven. And therefore, let us worship our Lord and our Savior with our whole heart. Do not shrink back and and do not be afraid when the world hates you as they hated the Lord Jesus when you speak to them about His mercy. But no, but know that one day the Lord Jesus will again return from heaven. And when He comes, then He will establish the kingdom of heaven here on this earth. And the divide will be completely taken away. And therefore, beloved, we do not need to be afraid when, when the two worlds collide today. Because we know and we believe with our whole heart that the kingdom of heaven will prevail. We know that. Why? Because the Lord Jesus has prevailed as a Savior of the world. Amen.